Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. And I'm Dan. Today we're joined by Dan Daly, the, uh, the subject of the last two podcasts about church. Dan had written a blog post called, what was it called, Dan? Uh, I think it was The Sin of Forsaking Fellowship. Right. Or we found out about it on the uh, private Facebook group, and Greg had left you a comment, and we went back and forth in the past two, couple episodes. And so at the end of the last episode, we were kind of talking, and we said, you know, what if we could talk to Dan and find out what Dan really thinks as opposed to, you know, just kind of assuming <laughs> or trying to read between the lines here. So... Before, well, I think we tried to find you, but we weren't able to. And then one thing led to another, and you emailed us. And so a great conversation happened with you and Greg on the phone. And then I think you listened to the last episode, and you're like, yeah, I'd definitely like to talk to you guys some more. And so here we are today. So this is a chance for you to kind of, I don't know, fill in some gaps. I want to make sure that, you know, we're kind of giving you a fair hearing in terms of (laughs) what you meant when you wrote your post and maybe take away things that we added that we shouldn't have and kind of go from there. So does that sound good? Sounds good. I didn't know I was on trial, but (laughs) (laughs) no way. It's that severe, Dan. No way. (laughs) No. (laughs) So why don't we start off? So the first part of the conversation that Greg and I had was Greg's concern about, you know, in your blog post, not really explaining why you had stopped going to church and then Greg was particularly concerned that you had permanently stopped going to church. So right. fill us in on that and, and uh, help us understand that a little bit better. You know, I guess to the question of why I left, um, there were a lot of events that occurred. First of all, I, I had been at my last church for about 20 years, just to give a little bit of a background there. Um, I've been there for about 20 years. I uh, was a worship leader there for about 12 of those years or so. Um, I was an elder there on the board. Um, and then, you know, my, my family, you know, my dad was an elder. I had, my sister was, uh, this church secretary and her husband, the, you know, the, uh, youth pastor. I mean, there was a lot of family involvement there. And, you know, well before that, I was pretty much born in a church pew. I mean, you know, pastors and ministers on all sides. So that's kind of where I was coming from. And, you know, that was my upbringing. That was everything I knew. And, and I was, perfectly happy there. I would have been there another 20 years, you know, easy. Um, and, uh, but there were some things that started to change. There was some changes in, in leadership and particularly with that came changes in leadership style. Um, style was a lot more authoritarian. Um, and, and, and these kinds of changes aren't all that unique. Um, and I guess part of why I didn't share a lot of these things is number one, because there are a lot of friends, a lot of family. And honestly, this is still a little fresh. Most of this went down. You know, I left about a year ago. Um, so there's a lot of connections there. I have to walk a line where I'm trying to be respectful, trying not to be hurtful. Um, so I leave some details out. No, I totally respect that. You know, but um, I guess secondarily, the big reason, really the bigger reason that I, I left a lot of things out is because it's, I was really trying to focus on a specific topic with that post. And I guess, you know, if I could make an analogy, um, it's like saying I was, you know, you guys ever see like the movie The Village? No. No? 
Jedi? Okay, that's a bad analogy. <laughs> it's a freaking movie. Um, but I can't tell you about it without spoiling the ending. So, you know. Um, <laughs> it's called The Village? The Village. Okay, yeah. I'm writing it down. But, uh, okay, well, it, let's just take a cruder example. Uh, you know, let's just say I was born and raised in a jail cell um, by people who were also born and raised in jail cells. And okay. they didn't know that they were in jail cells, you know. Um, and it's not their fault. That's just, you know, I don't know why that would happen in real life. But since, you know, it's a stupid example. But let's just say um, if by whatever process I came to the conclusion that there's something outside of jail cells, you know, didn't even know that existed. And I come out and I'm walking in that and I come to the conclusion that life outside of jail cells, number one, exists. And number two I feel is better than life mm. inside a jail cell, then I might want to talk about that without necessarily getting all into the backstory of how it came to this conclusion because the topic stands by itself. We, we could compare jail cells versus outside of jail cells without talking about how I came about to leaving the jail cell. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So that's kind of where I was coming from is more an issue of focus um, let, let's talk about the issue at hand as to whether or not, you know, being with a church, you know, uh, is obligation, is it necessary, is it even helpful? Um, and even that's a big can of worms that I just didn't even get into, but more specifically the obligation of it. Right. Um, we kind of got into it for you. I don't know if you heard that part <laughs> about obligation. <laughs> I heard some of that. Yeah. Give it a working over. <laughs> You know, so the conclusions, I mean, the the changes that came about as hard as they were, and there was a lot of circumstances with that, that they were very difficult. The end conclusion is the same still. And and I guess, first of all, like I said, the the story itself in terms of how difficult it was, um, I've come to learn is not at all unique. Um, There's a ton of people who have had stories exactly like that. Um, And from what I gather i think greg's actually had some you know some experience with some some bad leadership stuff himself but you know i think i also gleaned john you'd mentioned for you that uh, you'd been gone for a while and it had more to do with just not really feeling like you fit in not feeling like you got a lot out of it it wasn't well i don't know but necessarily driven by some painful experience but perhaps in the end where you ended up and the conversations we would have over the benefit of going back are disconnected from how we both got there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was trying to hit with the blog post is, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm just giving you a standard disclaimer. This is where I'm at. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm done permanently. You know. <laughs> so what does permanently mean? <laughs> just to put um, Greg's mind at rest. You know, with, with the exception of God himself somehow driving me back in against my will or changing my mind so that I somehow wanted to go back. Um, it doesn't have to do with bitterness or, or, you know, I guess one thing that's kind of frustrating, I've met with a lot of people online, I've made a lot of connections with other people who have come to the same conclusions and, and, and they're done as well. But too often, um, all of the statements and all of, all of the things that, I or other people would try to say, kind of get brushed under the rug and dismissed as, oh, they're just bitter. Oh, they're just reeling from some kind of a pain. Um, 
not really mm-hmm. touching on the content of what would be said, focusing more instead on how they got there as a means of just wiping all that off. And I don't, I, that's not done intentionally, but it's easy to do, you know, mm-hmm. and it's pretty common. And so when I'm saying permanently, I'm not going to lie and say that there was no pain, that there was no bitterness, or that I'm not still working through that, you know. And who knows? Maybe, maybe I am completely blind and operating from a place of pain and bitterness. That's possible. If we're blind, then we're blind, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, but from where I'm sitting, the, the permanency of it has nothing to do with, uh, first of all, the issues that I saw I came to realize we're not localized to that place, but the issues I began to see were more systemic. Uh, they were more, you know, stemming from this way of doing things, which was not at all unique to where I was going. This had nothing to do with leadership style. It had nothing to do with, you know, any of, the, any of those kinds of things. More questions about... Um, I guess I just started to, when I started processing the question, like, you know, where else am I going to go then? Um, it forced me to ask, well, do these kinds of issues exist somewhere else? Because I know I've heard about them a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And maybe that means something. And diving into this huge question set of, well, why is that so common? And, you know, maybe this isn't an issue with any one place. Maybe it's an issue with that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the conclusions that I came to, really brought me to a place where I would say permanently, yeah, not because I'm going to get over it because it's all based in pain um, because that's not why I'm not there. You know, the pain will go, but the conclusions I think are outside of that. Does that help? Does that make sense? It does to me, Greg. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had a great conversation about a week and a half ago, Dan. I'm really glad for that. Um, that was yeah. really generous of you. And, um, you know, you gave me a lot of information to, you know, we, we just kind of exchanged perspectives and that was really valuable. Um, yeah, I, I think it, it's it's clear and for, for me to be clear, I'm not so much worried about Dan. I mean, not that I don't care. It's just I do care. But Thank it's you. that – well, you're welcome. <laughs> the, the more I talk with you, the more I listen to you, the more I think that you've made a great choice and I'm really – I would really endorse – what you've done, and I hear what you're saying about the church, and I would say it's systemic. I would say it's endemic. It's part of a kind of not just to do with the system, but to do with with people and to do with some understandings. And we can kind of move there later. Like I don't want to sidetrack, but sure. Just to say that from my perspective, I think you have something that's really valuable. That's my concern. And you know, John, I think it's going to take us there anyways. Well, yeah, and, no, I think that's a that's a natural transition point too. Tell us more about what you're doing now. And I think that was kind of Greg's other concern was that, you know, and that's where I think it kind of led to, well, we should really find out like exactly what Dan is up to and what he's doing. Because I think Greg's contention was like, it sounds like Dan has discovered this great thing. And then Greg's contention was that if you have a great thing, you have an obligation to share it. And I'm not sure I agree with Greg on that, but tell us more. (laughs) Well, I mean, in a way, I would agree with Greg. Um you know, that I think if we've got something valuable, um, we can't help but want to share it. And, and I do. Um, you know, the irony is that in my 20 years there, I mean, I, I had spent time preaching. I spent time teaching different things. I mean, I had room to share. Um, 
So, you know, the, the irony is if I'm looking to share, it seemed I'm going in the opposite direction. Um, but, you know, I guess what I, what I found was that, and I guess this would be a, a rabbit trail we could go on or not, but, you know, just, um, in my case, and I guess the rabbit trail is I don't think is that it's just my case as I started thinking about it. But um, in my case, as I would try to address certain questions, um, there was no room to ask those questions. And at first, those questions were specifically with leaders trying to, you know, be a good team player and keep it to leadership and not talk among the, you know, the laity, the sheep, the whatever um, <laughs> you, know, this, you like those you know, terms, don't you, John? The, the dumb people. I love. Um, <laughs> no, that just gave me the shivers. That whole thing about asking questions that just gave me the shivers in terms of like, yeah, because Greg and I are all about asking questions. So continue. Sure. So I mean, that was my first attempt. Is okay. Let's talk to all these people. You know, my I was a leader there. I was talking with other leaders, but there wasn't much room for discussion. They, there wasn't a lot of interest. Let's say. Um, and I can respect that. I'm not trying to cram anything down anyone's throat. If they, if they didn't want to talk, then I could respect that. But I still had questions and I still needed discussion. Um, so I started talking to non-leaders. And at that point, you know, I was suddenly divisive and subversive and dangerous or whatever, you know. Um, and it's not like my friends that didn't hold titles or whatever were unstudied or even if they were studied. I mean, why can't we just hold open conversations? But that became a real point of contention. Um, so I don't even know how I got off in that when you're originally asking me why, you know, what we're doing now, but, um, you know, at first for a good long while, probably good six months, honestly, my wife and I were totally alone. Um, we, we didn't have anything. And, and that actually guys is, is part, a big part of why I wrote the blog post that I did as well. Um, because I feel for people who, haven't been as fortunate as I have to um, find themselves in the middle of a great group with good friends where they can, on a regular basis, meet with other people. Um, so, and one of the things I've seen a lot of times is people, two groups of people primarily I was trying to target with that, that post was um, people who maybe have thought about leaving but are afraid to um, because they feel like they have to. And um, I just wanted to at least take that off, not saying anyone, hey, leave, but if you want to, don't stay because you feel like you have to. Um, And secondarily, for people who were in the spot that I was in alone and honestly concerned that, you know, uh, maybe I'm doing something wrong here, you know, Um, and I would say, you know, was, were the disciples like John or Paul when they're sitting there and in prison, were they sinning because they weren't meeting with other people? I mean, no one has to tell you to meet with other people if you have the opportunity. You're going to jump at it. Don't worry about it. Um, but if that has not made itself available to you, don't beat yourself up over it. You know. Um, so the tie back here is to that one verse. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that's the billy club that everyone likes to use. And it's like, how do you draw from that verse even that – we're talking about fellowship has to look exactly like this, you know, oh, like I've 90 had a minute service yeah. and, you know, like I'm not fellowshipping with anybody in those 90 minutes, you know, if I do, I'm told to be quiet because I'm being disruptive. So, you know, that's just, you know, that verse just doesn't even apply. But 
I'm all for for meeting with people. So I, I've got I've got friends I've been fortunate enough to be able to get together with, and and we meet every week. Um, and for a good long while, we deliberately did nothing like that. We just needed some time together, our thoughts and everything. I won't even get into all the circumstances of how ultimately we did end up having people over. Um, but we did. And that's been about eight months now that we've been getting together with friends uh, Sunday evenings. And we usually hang out anywhere from six to nine hours, um, often late into the night, very late. And we have literally no plans whatsoever other than to coordinate food. Um, you know, we, we, you know, it's just a potluck sort of thing. And so we get together and conversations, you know, interweave from, you know, football to, you know, something we read in the Bible to our kids, to work, to praying for somebody or encouraging somebody. Or I guess one of the big things I've just, you know, been looking at is I think that there's this total false dichotomy between what is secular and what is sacred. Um, if we are in fact followers of Christ, if we in fact have his life in us, then it's going to come out. We don't have to manufacture an event or, or plan a way for that to come out. And so, and that's been very much what we've discovered is we make no plans. We're not going through a book of the Bible. Nobody's teaching, nobody's leading. I mean, we're hosting, um, but you know, it's, it's my house. I mean, but I'm not leading anything. Um, and people come over and, you know, some weeks there's actually very little discussion that has anything to do with what we would call, quote, spiritual, you know. Um, and then other weeks we'll sit down for hours and hours and that's all we're doing. I mean, we're just sitting and we're talking about stuff for spontaneously. We're just we open something up because someone's been reading it or has questions about it or and we just start studying it, you know. Um, and nobody's leading that discussion as the teacher, per se. Everyone's just talking about, well, I think it means this. Well, I don't know about that. I think it means this. And, you know, how is that not better in trying to, like, I feel like a lot of times we have this idea that we're going to set certain people up who are, you know, professional Christians, um, you know, we pay them to read the Bible for us and protect us from heresy, um, <laughs> you know, and it's like, how is setting one person in charge and giving him all the keys, a better idea on protecting against heresy than just opening it up to a group, iron sharpening iron, one man submitting to another, to where we can all just say, hey, I think you're full of crap. Um, I think it says this. And let's talk about that. I mean, how that is that really positive? Any, how is that in mm. any way inferior to everyone thinking? I mean, you have no idea how many times after I started asking some of this stuff, I talked to somebody like, you know, I oftentimes thought when I read that, that it kind of meant that too, but I was always told it meant something else. So I just figured I didn't know anything, hmm. you know? And it's like, that just became a major red flag for me. It's like, hello. I mean, you're, you're abdicating your brain here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your God given thought process. This person is not like filled with a greater measure of the Holy Spirit than you. And it's not our intellect that brings us to understanding. It's the mind of Christ. It's the leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you have that or not? You know, I mean, Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. So do you, are you his sheep or not? You know? In terms of the type of people that are coming to your group, are these people that have also left the church or do they go to church, but they come to your group anyway? Are they non-Christians? Like what's the, it sounds fascinating. Um, 
I would say pretty much all of them at this, well, with one, a couple exceptions maybe, are people that did go to the place that we were going to for the last 20 years. They had been friends of ours for a long time. And um, we had a lot of people at the beginning that were coming. And we deliberately picked evenings so that everyone could go to both if they wanted right. to. You know, It wasn't like we're having a study and you need to choose us or anything. It's just like, yeah, go. It's fine. Go Sunday morning. It's cool. And then you know, come over. That's fine too. Hmm. Or not, you know, we love you anyways. I mean, this isn't a pressure. We're not trying to build a church here. We're, not trying, we're just friends hanging out really, you know? Um, so predominantly, yeah, it, it would be people that we knew that were from there. Um, more recently we, we have, there have been one or two people that worked from there that, you know, are coming now and you know, we don't really have a goal or a mission. We're just we're just hanging out, you know, and, and there's like 15 to 20 kids, most of them like under six, seven years old. So, you know, the conversations kind of happen in, you know, five minute spurts, if, <laughs> you know, if, if it's five minutes, honestly, there's no childcare, you know? And so it's like, uh, just, I don't know. What do you do when you have a barbecue? You, you have conversation around your kids, you know? I mean, it's just, we're just hanging out, so, you know? So one of Greg's contentions, I think last episode, maybe in a few others, is this idea of questioning and is, like, based on your experiences, do you think there is, I mean, Greg's contending that we should somehow take this back into the church. Do you think it's possible? Do you think it's possible maybe at your previous church or another church that you know of to introduce this idea of questioning and open discussion because if there was a church like that near where i lived or a group like the one you're discovering i'd totally be there i'd be there in a heartbeat right you know um i got mixed feelings on that you know um because i i love the people that i feel like i in so many ways left behind and that was honestly the hardest thing about leaving um because my heart was for them. I, you know, I wanted to be able to talk with them. I, I didn't want, I felt like I had something to share and I felt like, um, how stupid is it? I have a platform, you know, like how stupid is it to leave that and go, I, I mean, I work for myself from home. So literally I'm just here by myself all day, every day, <laughs> you know, how am I, how am I going to reach anybody? You know, I didn't leave with the intention of, accomplishing anything and I still don't try to accomplish anything but what has just kind of come about is in that I've got a lot of things in me that need some kind of outlet so I started writing you know um, I started writing some stuff online and um, I post stuff on Facebook and it's generally met with mixed popularity um, <laughs> you know? um, so sure yeah I mean I, I would love to be able to share with certain people, but, um, that's honestly just not allowed. I mean, and, and I guess you have to come back to addressing this question as well. Maybe that's just where I came from. Maybe that's unique to where I was and, you know, maybe so, but my, my thoughts on that are whether you're dealing with a religious institution or any other kind of institution, whether it is a workplace or healthcare or education or, you know, military or government, whatever, um, an institution can only survive if its members are in line with the vision of the institution and, and not just the vision of the institution. Actually, that's wrong. More the fact that 
the institution should exist as a base level. Everyone has to at least agree on that, you know? Um, and so for me to start asking questions like, why does the Bible not talk about pastors at all? And we make such a big deal of it. We've got one verse, Ephesians 4.11, that mentions it. And even then, it's only if you're looking at a certain translation, um, you know? And yet we've got this entire theology about submitting to pastors and being under their covering and they provide vision for us and all this nonsense that flat is just not there, you know? So for Can me I to jump go in back, for a second there, Dan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I think and, and John, I think <clears throat> this might be a a place where both of you as Americans um, are going to see this differently. But some of the stuff that you're saying Proceed. Like sometimes sometimes it's the stuff that John says. <laughs> To me, and I'll be like, really? <laughs> what? And I'll have to scratch my head and go back because it's been a long time since I've been in church regularly. I mean, I, as I mentioned to you, Dan, probably 22 years since I've been in church consistently over like, say, two years or more. Sure. The same place. But some of that stuff is stuff that I just don't hear. And so, so you're actually saying some words that actually I've never heard before. And Which so ones? on the one hand, words I would like. Say, what, what do you like mean? being under somebody's covering or oh, okay. even, that, even that notion. Oh, it's totally there. It's totally there. It's, it's not I'm, overtly said, but it's this whole vibe. <laughs> it's, it's this whole vibe that the pastor is like, he's, he's equal, but he's like kind of a half step up because he's the pastor. First, well, he went equals. to seminary. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't even have to be said. I mean, the truth no, it's, is... It's understood. It, it is said at some places more than others, no doubt. Greg, I mean, at some places it's probably not said in that way, or maybe not said overtly at all. Maybe I don't know. I've not been to every church, but that's possible. Um, but there's a lot of cues that don't even—they're communicated without needing to be said. I mean, if I walk into a room and there's 150 people sitting in rows, quiet in the dark, all listening, you know, for 90 minutes to you know the guy who plays the music and the guy who reads the Bible every single week, and he's elevated on a platform with all the lights pointing at him, and he's got the microphone. And if you need to, you know, go to the bathroom, you need to wait, you know, um, because See, he has again, something very important to deliver. What does that communicate about your role versus his role? Yeah, and, and again, that's not – I remember you mentioning that when we were talking on the phone, that, that kind of example of the room being yeah. dark, and the whole setup, and I thought to myself – I just haven't experienced that. And again, I've been in, I think, I think it's eight churches now for some period between about six months, maybe 18, 24. Well, there were, when I was little, there were a lot more years than that for the first one. But anyways, um, I, I'm hearing what you're saying and I'm not doubting it. I'm simply saying that um, some of that is cultural to, to not just a Christian culture, but to sort of a, a national culture. Uh, you know, subsets of national cultures. And I just, just want to highlight that because, yeah. because again, you're saying something, th th those are all news, that's all new to me. None of, mm -hmm. none of those things is, is somebody up on a podium, yes. You know, do the lights go down? Is it only one person? Is it da-da-da-da-da? No. And then, you know, as I, I mentioned when we were talking on the phone, one of the things that's uh, exciting to me and upcoming for me is that I'll be... Um, uh, facilitating a group over the summer and then another one over the autumn. And, um, you know, the, 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 the pastor at that church, um, you know, I were sitting down having coffee and he said to me, you know, bear in mind, some of these people are very, you got a real mix here. 
Some of them are very uncomfortable with ambiguity. Some of them will just throw things in there because they want to see how it works out. <laughs> and um, he said, you know, the group that's uncomfortable with ambiguity, the first thing they're going to do is look to me. Right. And I said, okay, you know, that's, right. that's fine. Um, but there's So my no... question is, though, did he tell them to do that? And how did they arrive at that behavior? Yeah, I think that's built into human nature. I think that's, if you want me to be really honest, I think that's laziness and cowardice. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to... what is? Well, come on. What's I mean, laziness and cowardice? It, all things being equal, John, I would rather have somebody do my work for me so that I can get paid and they can do my work. I'd like them to do my chores at home. I'd like to sit around on the couch and do nothing. That's what I would I like to right. do. I think you're right. I think you're right. If you're in a church situation, it is very, very scary. I, oh, you see, mm, I don't even know if I want to go down this road. But <laughs> there's a, there, okay, there are a couple of books I've read on a, on a, a couple, on a particular, um, uh, I wouldn't say movement, but what are we talking about? Denomination within Christianity and why it's rising in popularity. And one of the foremost things that's mentioned in these books is it's easy. It, mm-hmm. It's completely concise. It puts oh, yeah. everything in a box. It fills in all the, the gaps. It checks all the, you know, you know where you stand. No yeah. questions. And, and I thought, hmm, terrifying. <laughs> but for a yeah. lot of people, this is, you know, um, very appealing because they sure. don't have to do that hard work. And I don't think, I think in our churches, we haven't, I think what you're saying, Dan, is, is, is completely correct. And I think that some of the examples you've given are thoroughly true and just egregious. They're terrible. And I would feel, I would want to try to maybe persuade people to go out of those. I mean, you said maybe you, you'd kind of let them make their own choices. I, I, would, I would be a little more active maybe. <laughs> Put it that way. Like I'm, I'm completely on your side in, in, I've in had, tremendous I've had to learn to walk that line. Like oh. trust me, dude. I, like I, I want to be – but I have yeah. to hold myself back I think in a lot of ways because I've also learned or mm. I guess I've concluded for myself that – it's not me who convinces anybody of anything. Somebody's got to come to certain conclusions themselves. And I'm willing to talk with somebody to the point mm-hmm. that they no longer want to talk, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and, and then at sure. that point, it's up to God. And, and maybe that conversation is going to come back up again later, mm-hmm. um, you know? But I can't be the one who's trying to drive that. No, no. I'm just saying I think that what we're seeing or what we're talking about in terms of some of these negative situations is real it's widespread and it's very problematic. Yeah, so I guess, you know, for a long time, my wife and I, we would sit there and try to figure out, like, okay, well, then what would a good church look like? You know, how, how should it work? What, what is this idea then? We're going to have a good leader and he's going to be, you know, what is that even? Um, and I think part of it, Greg, is exactly what you said. There is a certain amount of, um, we just kind of put off responsibility. I, I, I think <laughs> it's like with Israel. Uh, we want a king. You know, we don't want to be directly underneath God's authority. We want to have a mediator. Mm. We want to have somebody who we can pin everything on, um, somebody who we think represents us. Because really, I think at our, at our core, we want to be in charge. Um, you know, and so we look for somebody that thinks like us, that acts like us, that we're comfortable with, and we follow them. You know, and then we let them do the Bible reading. Heck, we're, we'll pay them to do it, um, and we'll pay them to come up with 
you know, whatever they deem as being ministry. And then we'll, you know, sign up on one of the volunteer sheets to do one of those things and, you know, clock in and there we go. We can check off that box. Um, One of the words I just want to jump off and just say one small comment. It would be amazing to know what degree of discomfort people think is essential in terms of how they feel about their minister when they're hiring that person. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, as you said, somebody who thinks like us, who acts like us, and I just thought, yeah, but there's got to be some discomfort there. Discomfort in a positive way? Like, this person's going to challenge us, and that will be uncomfortable, so we should, this is a good choice? Or we have doubts about hiring this person? I'm not sure I'm following you. Well, I think the two go together, right? So, yeah, in a good way. So, uh, I was talking, I, I, my office is in a high school. The high school's been purchased by a church. And they rent out parts of it. And I was talking to the minister, and he was invited. He was headhunted for a job at another church. And he said, fine, I'll have an interview. And he wasn't particularly interested in going. But he was very straightforward with them on the interview. And he, he, they, they asked him a question, and he said the question was a trap. And he, he just uh, you know, offered them back the answer that he, he wanted to give, not that he thought he should give, and asked them what exactly they, their plan was if they got an answer like this, what did that indicate to them? And right. questioned the question. So it's, I guess it's that type of discomfort, you know, on the one hand being pushed, but, you know, there's a limited range within Christianity where people can, you know, y- 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 the minister can kick your butt and that's okay. That's part of his job. And then you get outside of that. And it's really some of the outside of that that I'm thinking about. So it's some of the stuff exactly what you're talking about, Dan, like where do I go to, to, to have these conversations? Yeah. And in other words... I would see a church where those conversations can't happen, you know, again, pardon the, the forcefulness, but I, I would see that as a church that's deeply, um, that, 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 that's walking down a path that can become very, very problematic it's dysfunctional. for the entire community. Yeah, well, it is. sure, I let's mean, say it. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is that if, if we're going to compare, you know, the church, the Bible uses terms like the body of Christ and brothers and sisters and, you know, this kind of thing, and we're all co-equally submitting one to another, you know, and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think a family is a fantastic analogy. And, you know, in Matthew 23, where Jesus is saying that you should call no man teacher or rabbi or father, or, you know, because we already have one, and that's Jesus. Um, you know, but then we set these people up and we call them teacher and father and, you know, here, feed me, direct me, give me vision. Um, and so to this issue of, having open discussion, I think if we're going to look at a family analogy, um, you know, my kids are young. I've got five kids. That's full house. Um, and they look to me for, I mean, everything, you know, I'm their only father. They look to me for provision. They look to me for direction. Um, I'm in authority over them. These things are true, but they're not always going to be true. At some point I'm going to be a different kind of father. Um, and I think that that is the kind of leadership that we need is not men or women who are over others, um, but under. And, mm. you know, if, if I go to a family reunion, um, you know, there's certain people I might seek out or might seek me out to have an open dialogue about something. But which one of us has the right to tell the other one to be quiet because you're in error, so you're not allowed to speak anymore? I mean, no one ever you know, in any scenario whatsoever that's dysfunctional no matter how you slice it, um, you know, that we're all playing different roles. It's not an issue of rank or position. 
it's an issue of function. And, you know, we just occupy, we have different strengths and different weaknesses, but there ha- there's nothing about one person being in any way over another person. Um, yeah. That's you know, a really strange perspective. Not, not what you're saying, but this notion that somebody would respond that way. Again, I'm just trying to pick up on things that for me are much less familiar. You know, the, the church I was raised in, I can uh, um, associate with what you're saying. But but with all the other ones, I, I can't really. And it just seems to me, yeah, it's so, as you say, you wouldn't use that, or I hope you wouldn't, with your spouse. Uh, right. You probably couldn't get away with that at work very often, unless you're right. the boss. And then, you know, you might be, your employee retention might be pretty low. So, yeah, it's very strange why people would employ... Um, ways of interacting in a church context that in other contexts they would, you know, eschew. They wouldn't d- use them. So, yeah. So as we wrap up, Dan, are there any other parts? I think you said you listened to the last episode. Maybe you listened to the one before that. Were there any other parts of our discussion where you wanted to raise your hand and say, wait a minute, you got all that wrong. I want to speak to that. Or any anything you want to add that maybe we missed or took the wrong way? Um, nothing that overtly comes to mind other than I, I would just reiterate, you know, again, as far as the, the post in particular that you guys have been discussing, the, you know, the big thing for me is that we either are his or we aren't, you know, um, and, and that's true independent of location. Um, I, I'm not against the idea of going to a church. I don't, I, it, that's fine. I, I have certain issues. I think that maybe there are some dangers there, but um, I respect somebody if they want to do that, and we're free to mm-hmm. do that. But we're also free not to do that, you know. Um, and you know, to the to the question of obligation to share with people, you know, one thing that I started to say earlier, but you know, the way that it has worked out, and this is not at all how I planned it, but it's just the way it's worked for me. And I can't stamp it as a guarantee it would work this way for everybody. But in just trusting God, the irony of me leaving the platform and the microphone that I thought that I had is I've actually been able to help a lot more people since leaving than I was ever able to help in that way during the 20 years that I was there. Um, You know, and I, I think... You know, when the Bible talks about using the weak things to shame the, the, the strong and the foolish things to shame the wise, and, you know, I mean, Jesus wasn't the guy who went after the affluent, you know, um, and he didn't put much stock in all of our methods and our ways, our programs, of this is how we're going to come up with an algorithm on how to be successful. Um, you know, I mean, it's like Joshua is about to cross the Jordan and go into Jericho. He's stepping in Moses' shoes. I mean, this is freaking Moses we're talking about. He's got big shoes to fill and millions of people following him. And he's about to go to this city with walls that are like really thick and big. And so God's big battle plan is, well, I want you to march around in circles around this place and look like an idiot for a week. Um, Don't say anything. And then shout and play some instruments. You know, God does the work. And I think that sometimes we spend too much time trying to figure out the best way to do it ourselves instead of just trusting he's going to work that out. So if you feel led to be at a place and you want to stay there and, and or even if you've been out and you're like, hey, yeah, I think I'm going to go back in there and try to preach at people, um, you know, maybe that'll work for you. I have a hard time imagining how it would work, but maybe mm-hmm. do what you feel led to do. Um, but don't put so much stock in your muscle, you know, and in, in my thoughts and my plans and what I think is going to work. 
sure. No, that's a good comment, Dan. Is that I'm a good really place glad. to leave things? Or Yeah, well, and just to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for the, 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 the generosity and the trust, and thanks for being open, and thanks for the conversation. This is great. No, thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity Podcast. Notes and links for this episode are at untanglingchristianity.com. We welcome your thoughts and comments both at the website and our private Facebook group. If you'd like to join the private Facebook group, let us know your email address in the sidebar of the website to receive notes and links for each episode, and we'll send you an invite to our private group. Or you can send your thoughts or request to join the group by email. Send those emails to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.